While the choir's going down, I would like to say to all of those who were prophets of doom that said that we would have less than 250 today in Sunday school, I want you to know we had 325 on time to be counted whenever they did count. <laughs> Good to see you all here today. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. One of my favorites and one of the favorites of Mrs. Schott in the Bible here is Isaiah chapter 50 or 43. I think Isaiah 53 is my favorite, but 43 would come in there very, very close. I want to speak this morning on the subject of God and man. God and man. We want to look at three different persons this morning in the subject of God and man. God is one, man is you, and others. That's what I want to divide my message up today on, is the fact that it is what who God is and what he has done and is doing. And man, first of all you, in your particular individual need, relationship with God, and then others. And so, before we read the scripture, let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to hearts already today that Christ might be honored and glorified, that as we have left our homes and come to thy house, we understand that on a day like this, that it takes a dedication, it takes an insistence, to be able to be in your house. And we thank you, Lord, for people that love you and care about you and want to know about your word enough to be able to leave the comfort and the shelter of their homes and come to thy house in the rain and in the uh, problems that we have today. Lord, bless today. Take away any of those distractions from our minds that might keep the Holy Spirit from teaching us and helping us through thy word. Those that are not saved, may they learn how to be saved today, and may they be saved. We that are thy children, Lord, strengthen our faith, and then encourage us. And where we need comfort, comfort us. Guide us and bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, in Isaiah chapter 43, I want to read verses 1 through 12. And in these verses, our message is found, and there is a message for you. Uh, you don't have to depend upon just a preacher in giving you a message. You have the Bible, you have God's Word. You have a interpreter, you have someone to explain it, which is the Holy Spirit. Every individual that is a child of God is a priest in the sense of a believer priest. So do not let someone else decide for you 
what God has to say. You study it yourself. When the preacher tells you something, take the Bible home and check it out. See if it compares with what the other passages of Scripture in the Bible have to say. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the end of the earth, even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him Yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say, It is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. May God bless the reading of the Scripture as we look at these three persons today. First of all, we look at God. We look at God, the Lord, the Lord thy God. We ask the question, who is God? I would like to say that he is not some strange, unknowable force. He is the Holy One of Israel, verse 3. The Holy One of Israel. And then we find in verse 11 that he is the only God. That he is the only Savior. In verse 10, he said that ye may know that there is no God before me. And so we find that this God is the Almighty God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the all-present God, the great I Am. Not I was, I am going to be, but the great I Am. He is a 
triune God. He is our God. I trust that he is your God. Now what did God do? And what does God still do as the great I am? First of all, in verse 1, he said, Now thus saith the Lord God that created thee. John tells us that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. God created the universe. God created every living creature individually, separately. He created man. After he had finished the other creation, he created man. And then he created woman. We are God's special creation. Do not believe in evolution in any way, shape, or form. With all of the high-priced, expensive advertisement and promotions today concerning evolution, all of our space programs are based on the fact that there is no God. They are based on the fact that evolution... We're trying to find the secret of the universe. Last night I saw a, I think on Discovery Channel, which is a very interesting channel and therefore it has become very, uh, very subtle in its, in its, uh, deception. They showed the picture of, of, uh, going down deep, 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 deep into the ocean. And they found they found some funny kind of life about three miles under the water. And they, they showed a picture of a little old fish and they said, maybe this is where life has begun. So you see, whether it's in the bottom of the ocean or up here in space, our scientists and our so-called educated people are trying to find the source of life in some distant planet or some sperm, or some uh, bug down here in the bottom of the ocean. My friend, God created the heaven and the earth. God created the heaven and the earth. Second of all, in verse 1, it tells us that God redeems. He said, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. He redeems us. And the story of redemption. In verse 3 and verse 11, he saves us because He is our Savior. He is our Savior. He is going to be our King. He is our coming King. And while we may sing a few songs referring to Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, we always put it in the future time, not in today. Today. We praise Him as our Savior because He has shed His blood that He might redeem us and save us from our sins. In verse 11, Beside me there is no Savior. And then we find that God calls in verse 1. He said, I have called thee. I have called thee. You know, Sometimes, as children, we became so busy in our play, in our entertainment, 
that our mother or father would have to call us a number of times even to eat, let alone to wash our teeth or go to bed. We became very hard of hearing when it came time to go to bed or to wash our teeth. Our teachers have to call us. Sometimes they call us down because we're cutting up in class instead of paying attention to the lesson why we're trying to get attention to somebody else. Sad to say that sometimes happens in church, not too often, thank goodness for that. We find that God calls us. How does he call us? Well, you know, God calls us sometimes like our parents call us. Sometimes they speak in a normal voice. Sometimes they have to shout. Sometimes they have to pull our ear. Sometimes they have to get our attention. They have to get our attention. There was an old farmer. He had a horse, had a mule, very stubborn. His neighbor wanted to buy his mule because he was such a hard worker. He bought the mule. And so the guy started to use him and he wouldn't move. Told him to giddy up, he wouldn't giddy up. Told him to go and he wouldn't go. Told him to gee and he wouldn't gee. Told him to haw and he wouldn't haw. You don't know what that is? Look it up in the dictionary, it's there. I forget which is G and Hall, but anyhow, it's right and left. And so he brought the mule back. He just almost had to pull him back to the former owner. And he said, this thing, this thing will not work. Oh, he said, of course he will. Of course he will. And so he said, well, you get him to go. He said, okay. And so he just casually walked over and got him a big two-before board. Walked up to the mule and hit him as hard as he could, right between the eyes. And that old mule just uh, went like that. Pretty soon he shivered back up and he stood and, and the man said, giddy up. And he just went on. <laughs> and so he turned to the new owner and says, first of all, you have to get his attention. You know, sometimes God has to get our attention. Sometimes he speaks to us. Sometimes he shouts at us. Sometimes he has to pick up a two before and flatten you before you will pay attention to what God has to say. And so he has called us. He has chosen us. And in verse 2, which is a very precious one to every child of God. He keeps us. He keeps us. While the world, flesh and the devil, if they believe in a God at all, they believe in a God that is blessing you because you are well to do or everything is going good. But if something goes wrong, if, it, if you do not get your way, then God does not love you anymore. My friend... That has nothing to do with God's love and care for us. The true child of God who knows his Bible knows that we are born under trouble 
And God is sovereign God. He can bless who He wants to with material things. He can withhold those material things from us. But that has nothing to do with God's love for us because we believe when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Some people, when they pass through the deep, dark waters of death or sorrow or heartache, they immediately believe that God has forsaken them. But you and I that know God and love God and serve God, we know that we are going to go passing through the waters, but we have a promise that God will be with us. The fiery temptations and the fiery trials will try us, but we have the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. This is the God of the Bible. Now man, man, he is a creature. A creature is one that has been created. You have two. Everything is either a creature or a creator. One of the two. Man in his pride, he wants to be God. Therefore, he has to wipe God out of his mind. Either by the entertaining world, by the so-called scientific world, or by some false religious world. Man wants to be his own God. He wants to call the, his own direction. He wants to take care of his own life. He wants to be independent. He wants to be the one. And yet we find that according to the scripture, we are creatures or we are the creator. And I could never believe that I was the creator. I am a creature. And so we find that man is a creature. He is not an animal. He is made and created in the likeness of God, in the image of God. He is not evoluted, and so we come to the question of now, how are we to be right with God personally? How do we become right with God? Because it's not difficult to believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, especially me. If you are an honest thinking person, you will have to admit you are a sinner. We need someone to flip these windows shut right quick if you're tall enough to do so. We are made right with God by accepting, by trusting, by believing in, and identifying with God's redemption, with his salvation, and with his mediation work, that he is the mediator. We are made right with God when we accept and we trust, we believe in, we identify with God's redemption. In other words, we are bought with his blood. 
in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In Isaiah 43, 3, he said, I am the holy, I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. In verse 4, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. One of my favorite books that we read in our daily devotions in our house every morning. We're on our second year of reading the same book. This day in Baptist history. It is a good book. And the thing I like about it is that it verifies what God said right here. I will give men for thee. You and I that are saved, redeemed, we have a home in heaven. We owe this not only to God and Jesus Christ, but we owe it to those people. Those men, those women, those young men, those young ladies, those boys, those girls, down through the, from the time of Christ until now, that have helped us and gave us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them have paid with their lives. They have given not only a long life to the service of God, but they have given just a few days of their life, and they died as a testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm thinking of Stephen, that he was called to preach one day, and I think the next day they killed him. He preached one sermon, and they stoned him to death. There was, there was Paul, the Apostle Paul that we've heard so much about. He was saved on the road to Damascus. And I think I figured it up one time that he was about 54 years old. Or he had a ministry of about 50 years. And he died. Others had much less time than that. God said, I'll give men to thee. What would we have done if somebody did not give us the gospel? And suppose the person that gave them the gospel did not give the gospel. And suppose that the person that gave them them and all the way back to Jesus Christ, all twelve of the disciples, all eleven of the disciples I should say, plus the Apostle Paul who made twelve and the other one that they chose to be a disciple, they died for the cause of Christ. They were put to death. You ought to be proud that you're a Baptist. Because history tells us that there are over 50 million Baptists. That were put to death 
at the hands of religious leaders that we might have the gospel today, let alone all of the multitudes of men in perhaps our own day of history and before us that have given their lives that we might be redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. I am not saved by the blood of somebody else. I'm saved by the blood of Christ. But the blood of Christ that saved the man that was willing to give his life. Not only just to walk by faith and have a... And I feel that Mrs. Schott and I have had a comfortable life. Certainly we've had trials and we've had, we've had things that we've had to put up with. But my friend, when I read that book, This Day in Baptist History, I think, my goodness... I read the story about this preacher that he was walking to church one day and his wife, his children were attacked by Indians and he saw them as the hatchets buried into their heads. And yet he preached the gospel. My friend, many of us have no idea what persecution for Christ really is. And yet God says, I give men for thee. He did not say that all of them would die. He did not say all of them would have many hardships and trials. But he said, I will give men. And whatever God has for us, let it be a matter according to thy will. We are made right with God, but not only by redemption, but by salvation. Because in verse 3, he is our Savior. He is our Savior. The book of John is full of it. The New Testament is full of it. The book of Isaiah is full of Him being our Savior. Mary is not our Savior. She's not even included. The padre, the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, they are not your Savior. There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. There's one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we find that we are right with God personally when we accept and trust and believe in and identify with God's mediator. In verse 11, we find this statement. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Beside me. Not only I am only the Savior, I don't have any helper. I don't have any mediator between me and you. Paul reiterated that in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, himself man, Christ Jesus. By the way, I think I was quoting from a Catholic version of the Bible on that one. In case you think this is Baptist doctrine that we get out of the Bible, it is Baptist doctrine. But it is Bible doctrine. And we can find our Bible doctrine in a good Roman Catholic Bible. Alright, let's go on. Now what are we to do 
in obeying God to keep right with God. You know, it is possible to get right with God and then you never lose your salvation, but you can sure make God unhappy. You can make God withhold from you good things. Let me again give you illustration of parents. When a child is born into the home, he is forever one of their children. He can never go away and say they are no longer my parents. And it be true. He might say it, but it's not true. Or the parents may get so disgusted with their child that they say, you are no longer my son. But legally and morally and right, it's it cannot be. Because when you father a child and you mother a child, bring a child into the world, that's it. There can be nobody else. You belong to each other. You wonder why your kids act like they do? Maybe you ought to look in a mirror. Or on the other hand, as my wife told me one day, said maybe you're just getting what you deserve. <coughs> I don't know whether she is referring to her or my children. <coughs> Be that as it may. Why, you know, God, God deals with us pretty much the way we deal with Him. Did you know that? That's right. That's right. What are we to do to keep being right with God? And we know that that is obeying God. You must obey God if you're going to keep right with Him. You kids, you young people, you that still have your feet under your father and mother's table, <clears throat> you should obey your parents. You should obey. If you don't obey, they should, whether they do or not, they should punish you. They will in one way or the other. But they ought to read their Bible on how they do it. How does God punish? Oh, God punishes when we do not obey Him. He blesses you if you obey Him. He rewards you. But God never rewards you for what you do not do. You earn your rewards. This is a merit system with God. Not for salvation, but for blessings. And we find that we do this, according to verse 10, by obeying God. If you will read that again, it simply says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Ye are my witnesses. And he goes on down and says, And my servant. Too many of God's people consider God their servant. Lord, give me this. Lord, do this for me. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. 
Did you ever stop long enough to hear what God had to say? If you'd listen carefully, you'd probably hear God say, What did you say? Did you ever as a student go to your teacher and tell your teacher what to do? And the teacher look at you and say, What is your name? <laughs> you ever have as a parent one of your children come to you and tell you what you are going to do for them? Maybe you can get by with it, but boy, I never got by with it. And my, I'm sure that my children would say, uh-uh, that, that is a no-no. That's a no-no. In fact, even today, they are very cautious of telling us what to do. Because they know that if they happen to cross that boundary line, all they will get is dad or mom looking over their glasses and say, what did you say? And, that, and that's the end of the conversation. Don't tell God what to do. God said, you are my servant. I tell you what to do. Don't tell me what you're going to do for me. Don't tell me what you are going to do in your life. You let me tell you what to do. This is where many of God's people have fallen flat on their face and they are just struggling through life the rest of their days because they have tried to tell God what they are going to do rather than having God to tell them what to do. When God calls you to preach, say, yes, sir. When God tells you to do something, do it. When God tells you what to put down on your faith promise, put it down and then give it. Don't put it down and then don't give it. You're like the one that said, I go, Father, and did not go. And the other one said, hey, I'm not going, but he went. Which one was wrong? Both of them. Both of them. But one by what he did, one by what he said. Now, my friend, you're not going to get by these things with God. You may think you do, because God is such a patient God, but His patience will wear out just about the time you think that you've got it made. And so we find that God said, Ye are my witnesses. You're my servants. Now how can you be called a witness if you do not witness? God said, Ye are my witnesses. That's a title. How can you have that title if you do not witness? Have you invited anybody to church last week? Did you tell anybody about Jesus last week? Have you been knocking on any doors? Have you been going to friends and people that you never knew and tell them about God and about Jesus Christ? If you have not, how can you say that you are his servant when you are not doing what he told you to do? He said, ye are my witnesses. Years and years ago, we started to work in Kageyondor City. 
I'd been visiting, doing some business, buying a Honda from a man who had a big hardware store. He was also the agent. He had the franchise for the Honda uh, motorcycles at that time. 90cc, I bought it for 1,200 pesos. So in getting acquainted with this big guy, I asked him, I said, what is your name? And he said, I am Dr. So-and-so. I said, oh, you're a doctor. What kind of a doctor are you? Because every time I ever went in the hardware store, he was always there back behind the glass overlooking the other uh, other uh, people. Well, he said, I own this place. Uh, but he said, by profession, I have graduated medical school and I have practiced medicine for a few years. I said, are you still practicing? Well, he said, not very often. I said, what do you do most of the time? Well, he said, I'm so busy here at the, at the hardware store. I said, now, you've studied how many years to be a doctor? Including your internmentship and, and uh, getting your passing the board. How, how long, how many years did that take? He told me and I said, uh, why are you in the hardware business? Because I make more money. I forget what I told him. Because probably you would not want to hear it. Because I think that there's probably a good number of people who have the title of witness that you're about somebody else's business because you make more money doing that than you do witnessing for Jesus Christ. Beware. Beware because God is a sovereign God and be sure. Be sure. It will come out. We find that we are to witness not about a man, not about a ceremony, not about a cause, Streets are full of people. TV is full of people. Religious people. That are witnessing for a cause. Either human rights, equal rights, dog rights, whale rights, uh, fish rights. Uh, they, they have every kind of rights in the world. That they are witnesses of. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. I'll bring this down to the close so you can go home in the rain. That ought to make you feel more comfortable for a little while while I preach because you know you're not going home while it's raining this hard. In Matthew chapter 28, and I'm not going to preach until it quits raining. That's not... <laughs> I heard the other day about about a preacher that that had his church to vote that he would be their pastor until Jesus came. 
And I thought, boy, that, that's something I would I don't think I'd do because I think I might wear out. And uh, you'd be without a pastor and you couldn't change it because you already voted to keep me as your pastor until Jesus came. No, I'm not going to preach until it quits raining. In uh, verse 18, Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, came to the eleven disciples. He came to them as not eleven men, but as an organized church. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We found that true in the Old Testament. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now we find we are to witness concerning Jesus Christ in Acts chapter uh, 1 and in verse 8. We find this statement. He said, ye are my witnesses. Again, he tells us that. That ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we find also here in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 12. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Now very quickly, I want you to see someone else besides you. You know, one of the terminologies of self is ego. Ego. E-G-O. And so many people have so much ego, not echo. That's abbreviation for ecology. But we have the E-K-O. We are full of, I mean, E-G-O, not E-K-O. E-G-O. Self. As long as self is satisfied as long as self likes it. Flesh and self are synonymous. And we are too full of the flesh. We're too fleshly. We're too natural. We are too concerned about me, myself, and I. Those are the big trinity. Me, myself, and I. This is what we're concerned about. And if all is well with me, then all is well. But there are others. There has to be someone else to witness to. Who are we to witness to? One of the problems in religious circles today is that they witness only to other Christians. You hear a new church going to start. Sometimes it's even a Bible Baptist church. We're going to start a new Bible Baptist church. Praise the Lord. There's plenty of room in Dalval for more churches. Plenty of room for more Bible Baptist churches. 
We got about two million people here in Davao. We got about 500 here in church. We're over 400, I'm sure, today. But, good grief, what is 400 compared to 2 million? But you know, the sad thing about so many people, not only the preacher, but people who make up those churches, they only want to get more Christians. Usually they look to the other Bible Baptist churches to find those other believers. Find somebody that's not happy with happy with Pastor Schott, or they just learned that Brother Ingai is soon going to be the pastor, and they don't like him, so they're going to go look for another church. My friend, God didn't tell you to do that. God said, "Ye are my witnesses; ye are my servants. You do what I want you to do. You go where I want you to go, and when you witness." You witness to the unsaved people and get people saved. And when people come into our church, our challenge is to help them become a responsible witness. We are to witness of God's salvation. We are to witness of God's Son. Sometimes people come in they say, Oh boy, this is the church we want to go to. Finally, I have found a church. And after five or six sermons, they're gone. Why? Because they just found out that our church is not just entertainment. It is not just friendly. It is not just full of pews. Got lights, no air conditioning, but we do have fans. And today some of you are all cuddled up like you wish we'd shut the fans off. Well, I like to keep you a little cold. When you get, when you get warm, you get sleepy. I haven't noticed anybody going to sleep today. People tell me they go to, they get sleepy when they get cold. I notice that they shiver and stay awake. <laughs> so we might air condition this thing after all, but be that as it may. What are we to witness about? When you get it, when you become a member of a church, when you come into the fellowship of the church, we want you to know that we are here as leaders to encourage you and to teach you and to challenge you and to trouble you if we have to. To be a witness because that's what God wants you to do. And our church is not going to be blessed of God just by filling all the pews up because people want to leave another church. They want our entertainment or they like this or they don't like that. My friend, we are to be witnesses of His love and His salvation. And we need to be out there winning to peop- winning people to Jesus Christ. Now, we find that according to verse 9, the other people, we refer to them as they. They. You know, when a member of our church refers to this church as those people, You know what they're doing? They're separating themselves from their church. That's right. I probably ought not say this, but since I'm accustomed to saying so many things I ought not say, I'll go ahead and say it. It amuses me when Filipino people refer 
to some other Filipino that has done something stupid. And they say, you know, these people, these people, I like to say, well, what people? Oh, people like that. What's his nationality? Well, never mind that. They're just those people. <laughs> no, my friend, we are a body. You're either of us or you are not of us. And if you are they, then we need to witness to thee. But we find here that in verse 9, it tells us, let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it is truth. You see, they need to hear the word of God. They need to hear what God has to say. John chapter 8 and in verse 47, I believe it is. John eight forty-seven. We find this statement. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Now, Jesus said that. I'm just quoting Jesus. Romans chapter 10. And by the way, I do agree with Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul wrote under inspiration of the Word of God, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I should say. He wrote, Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, people don't get saved because they hear we are a friendly church. They do not get saved because they people hear about this or they hear about our music or they hear about our friendliness or they hear about uh, whatever. Faith cometh by hearing. You ever wonder why some people that come to the front and even are baptized, they never grow. They never go. They never glow. Borrowing from an old... Uh, advertisement of years gone by. Why do they not grow? Why do they not go? Why do they not glow? Because maybe they did not get saved. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you cannot say how you were saved most Likely, you have never been saved. Most likely, you were convinced to join the church, to say, I believe. But you have never heard the simple plan of salvation. At least you have not heard it on the inside of you and felt it that you needed Christ as your Savior. And so we need to witness because they need to hear in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, as I read to you, it tells us this. Therefore, whosoever heareth 
these sayings of mine and doeth them. You see, people, people who hear the word of God can reject it. They can accept it outwardly, but they can reject it on the inside. And so we need to hear. Second of all, we find they are to identify themselves with God. Now there's two thoughts here I want to bring out. In Isaiah 43, 8, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people assemble, be assembled. And let them say, it is truth. Now, you know, we need to identify with Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When does God give them rest? When they come unto him. This is why we give an invitation. You are lost, you come. Why? Because you must believe for you. No one else can do it for you. No one else can be identify with Jesus Christ except you. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, you know, there's a good number of people that that other people tell me they are saved. But that individual has never come forward. That person has never made an outright confession of Christ as their Savior. The Bible says, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever... Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. You do not have to stand before a congregation and say, I refuse Christ as my Savior. No, all you have to do is just to refuse to come. You know what you have to do not to get married? You know, to get married, you have to stand and say, I do. All you have to do not to get married is nothing. You don't have to come. You don't have to say a word. But to get saved, we as God's people that are his witnesses, we need to tell people that they are lost and how to be saved and they need to personally identify not with you, but with Jesus Christ. You don't go to heaven because your husband or wife is a Christian. You do not make heaven your home because you were born in a Christian home. And you made a profession in DVBS. And then you went to Bible school or you went to school and or you went to Sunday school and you participated in the young people activities until you decided that you're getting too old to serve and go to church and sing and, and to live for God. You're going to go your own way. My friend, then is you, then are you making your decision. You're identifying yourself with the world, not with Jesus Christ. 
Identify yourself with the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Still raining, so don't be worried. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Why? Why? To be saved? No. To identify publicly with Christ. In verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. Why did they join the church? To identify themselves. With a group of people. That believe what the Bible teaches. And that were witnesses. That is what. And then in closing in verse 9. Of chapter 43. They are to say. It is truth. You study verse 9. And he said, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he, and before me that there was no God formed. I'm reading the next verse. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled. Who among them, you know they, can declare this and show us former things? Are they prophets? Let's hear it. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be just. They say they don't believe in me. They believe in something else. Let them come forward and prove it. That they may be just. Or let them hear the truth. And let them say it is truth. It is truth. You see... We confess Christ publicly to ourselves. Conclusion is this, God is God. Nothing is going to change that. He is God. Man is a creature. Nothing's going to change that either. God created us. We became sinners. That can be saved. Aren't you glad for that? If you're here today and you're not saved, come today and be saved. And then we need to witness properly, truthfully, that others may be saved. Shall we stand for prayer? <laughs> Page 270 in your songbook. We're going to sing an invitation song, just a couple of verses, as many as the Lord lead us. I believe God wants to move in our hearts. I'm sure that this last week there's been things that have troubled you in your life. First thing that you ought to make sure of is that all is right between you and God. I believe the Y2K propaganda is 99% scare and about 1% that can take care of itself. But Jesus is coming. 
He's not obligated to come on January the 1st. He can come today. It doesn't have to be sunshiny out there for Jesus to come. It doesn't have to be an earthquake taking place either. But the question today for each one of us is number one, do I know that I am saved? And the second thing is, am I the witness God saved me to be? Shall we pray? Our Father, bless this invitation for Jesus' sake. Amen. As we sing verse 1, will you come? Just Let a personal worker help you today. These are personal workers that are coming. They have their Bibles. They can help you. Will you come? Let God have His way. You've never been saved, come. You have no evidence of salvation on the inside of your life. Will you come? As we sing verse 2. Just as I am. You will spend eternity. Somewhere. Either heaven or hell. It may depend upon what you do today. If you have never been saved. Come. Can cleanse each spot. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. God, I come. As we sing another verse, will you come? Verse 3. Just as I Ye are my witnesses, God said. They need to come. They need to say, I believe. They need to receive. If it has not happened, come. O Lamb of God, I come. Thank you for your attention this morning.